In every coffee shop, library, co-working space, there are ascenders working tirelessly to achieve greatness in their chosen field. Entrepreneurs, authors, musicians, speakers, all soaring towards their definition of success. You haven't seen their names in magazines or history books yet. I'm James Darty, and this is The Ascenders. Anika Aftab is a woman on a mission, and that mission is to stop being one of the onlys. See, she was born in Bangladesh, and her family moved to Long Island while she was young, and she became used to being an only in a lot of situations, whether that's the only woman, the only person of color, the only immigrant. She is writing a book entitled, I Will Run for Congress and Why You Should Too, where she will interview strong women in power and empower a new generation of people to run for office and have their diverse voice heard. She's really amazing, and I believe she will do this. So here's my talk with Anika. So I did grow up on Long Island. I moved here when I was in fourth grade, though. So I grew up in Queens, New York prior to that. Um, but I was born in Bangladesh. So if you don't know where that oh. is, it's Southeast Asia under Nepal next to India. Yeah, no, I know. Um, I haven't been there, but I've got some friends who have done the whole Nepali thing. Yeah. Beautiful area. I definitely want to just backpack and travel there eventually. But one day we have, we have other pressing situations going on with the world <laughs> Very right true. now. Do you yeah. have friends there? Or uh, family? Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually the only like my immediate family. So my mom and dad and my brother and sister, are the only people that are in America. So everyone else has kind of dispersed. So I have cousins in like, like Norway that were born in Norway, Japan, like Australia, and then primarily Bangladesh. So they either decided to stay put or like move far away. Why America? Do you know? Why my parents chose America? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the American dream. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would best best guess, like you know, and I, I think that that's a really common trend for immigrants, where there's that belief, like go back to any generation, like even like the like the famine in Ireland, like the the American dream was to restart, to set like your own like foundations, and then grow from there. Um, I wouldn't say that's kind of what happened with my parents' generation, but I think that my generation have a little bit and like hopefully my future like kids will have more opportunities um but yeah yeah cool did you did you know english when you moved here no i was actually Ooh. in esl i was in english as a second language until about like fourth grade so i actually didn't speak um and i even to this day i speak Bengali fluently uh, uh, and i usually primarily speak that at home Oh, which has been kind of cool. And learning languages has been a little bit easier for me than like most because my brain is already hardwired to pick up like languages. Which language do you think in? Um, so I actually, wait, what do I think in? Yeah. Like what's your inner voice? That's a really good question because when I write, like if it's like really late, I'm, I'm a very passive writer because Bengali is like... So for example, if I say, how are you doing in English? It's like, which is you are how. So like, even like, sometimes when I'm writing, it's just, I'll like jumble up like fragments and like, I don't even know what sentence structure words are, <laughs> but just like, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, I won't be writing English. <laughs> that's the, that's the simplified way to put it. <laughs> um, but I love languages and I'm, I'm currently trying to learn Arabic and I, wow. I could, I can speak a little bit of French and then Spanish because of just the work that I've done, um, in Spanish speaking countries. So that's like, <laughs> but one day, hopefully I'll, I'll learn all the languages. Sounds like you're foreshadowing here. I guess we'll get to that later. Let's stick to young, young Anika. So, yeah, uh, I mean, do you want to talk about, do you remember life in Bangladesh at all? Like what was childhood like there? So I'm actually really fortunate that I was able to go back for like my family and I would go back maybe every, every year, every other year until my sister was born, um, which was up until I was 10. So my sister is 10 years younger than me. She was born when I was 10 years old. Um, and 
life is very different. Like, and I think that a lot of it, like who I am today is shaped by the culture that was brought to America. So like in my own household, like I'm not allowed to wear shorts, for example, it'd be like a hundred and a hundred degrees, but I'm not able to like show certain parts of like my skin because that's not something that you would do in Bangladesh. And like, that's something that my parents kind of brought over here. Um, growing up in Bangladesh, I, I know a lot of my cousins that there are always those anomalies of like women that like kind of like break the patriarchy or like my cousins are some examples of it where both of them, one of them has a master's degree, but she came to America and the other she's working in like engineering, like computer science related fields. So those, those are anomalies. Normally the case is arranged marriages. Those are number one. Um, I'd be the first person in my entire family not to have one. And it's crazy. So that's very common if I was living there. Um, Another would be like after a specific age, after a specific like education level, you don't continue. Um, You are really going to, your own sole job is to have kids or support the family, learn how to cook and clean, like think like basic level, like what the gender roles are. uh, yeah. Yeah. So I think that I'm really fortunate to have been able to grow up in the United States because without that, I wouldn't have had that um, opportunity. So do you feel, are there any uh, pressures that you're put upon you to be a certain person? Um, Absolutely. I think that to one of the biggest things is I don't, and I just, you, we just talked about this, the not wanting to have kids. Like I personally don't want to have children (laughs) like my own and uh, I would love to adopt, et cetera. But that's like one of the more like, like whenever my mom hears that she just gets like upset. And I'm like, mom, like, this is my life. Like, I don't necessarily have to conform to specific like rules, but no. Um, another one is my, <laughs> my type, my, the people that I tend to have gone for it are not within like my cultural, like they're not, they're not Bengali. They're not Muslim, which is huge and really bad. <laughs> um, so maybe I might get disowned in a couple years if I ever get <laughs> married. So I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we'll have a follow up after that. Yeah, please. Um, hopefully, I'll have enough money by then to, to live on my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so those are just like two major things. And then another is like, it's it's crazy because they don't want you to have education. But for me personally, like I have my master's, but that's really advocated for too. Like a woman with education, like, but I'm not a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, mm-hmm. so automatically my education's canceled. <laughs> like, so it's a, it's a very tough landscape to navigate. And, um, it's why I'm so passionate about sharing my story and sharing like, even like, well, I'm sure we'll talk about like the book idea later, but mm-hmm. why my roots are so strongly, like the foundations of the book are so strongly like rooted in my, my history, because I want to change that, like, and make that navigation a little bit easier for women or for people of color or for immigrants. Mm, I love that. When did you, was there a certain time period or certain event that really caused your liberation, like your feminist liberation? Like I'm here, I'm me, I'm doing me. Yeah. I would say I struggle, like even to this day, like imposter syndrome is real. Mm, Things like, like even when I'm talking to you guys sometimes on Fridays, like I'll say things and I'm like, oh my God, do I sound like a freaking like arrogant asshole? (laughs) Or like, am I being too emotional? Like what is going on? I don't think that there was that one singular moment, maybe a collection of them. Um, I would say the closest thing that I had to liberation was when I became president of RIT student government. It's not something like I was often the only woman in the room and I'm five, one and three fourths. So, (laughs) and it, it just, I think in a way, although I had so many obstacles when I was president, um, it was liberating to be able to stand up in a crowd of 5,000 people and just like, just speak, like speak my truth, speak my mind. And that's the feeling that I'm like really just chasing. Again, mm. that's the feeling that I want others to understand like that power that like something like speech, it, it has like in kind of just elevating you to different levels and like inspiring others to elevate themselves. Like that's like really the core of like, 
what I see is like my, my, my drive or my passion, what motivates me every morning. Um, and so I think it's a constant liberation, but I definitely have a lot of work to do like to get there. Yes. I mean, so we, all have, we all have work, uh, but no, yeah. it's perfect. Cause like, cause that's why I'm doing this is like, cause all these people are on the cusp of something like you're on the cusp of writing that bestseller. So it's, it's refreshing. Cause you never know someone who's listening because you know, when you listen to a podcast, sometimes it's like someone very, very high up and you can't relate to them sometimes. So when you feel, when you hear from somebody who's in it, who's in the shit, working it out, trying to learn, I think you can easily, you're on that level to relate to them. So you never know what something you're going to say is going to resonate with somebody. So yeah, no, so that's why I love it. Um, Is there any, any guilt though with your liberation? Guilt is an interesting word because conscious or subconscious. It could be either. Yeah, no, I, I think that I, I'm only thinking about it because guilt is never something that I've always seen guilt as I have a lot of shame. Like, yeah. um, so I don't know if you know, like personality assessment stuff, like, are you into all of that? <laughs> uh, which one particularly? Have you heard of Enneagram? Okay. Yeah, I've heard of it. I haven't taken it yet. So I'm a, I'm a type three, which is the, the whole like title is the achiever. Um, but the strongest like negative emotion that fuels them is shame. And mm-hmm. so I think like guilt in a way kind of ties together with my shame. And I think that for the longest time I was guilty of straying away from my, my culture, my people, my, my raise, like what I was like raised to be and do. But I'm also, I was always heavily ashamed of like, why did I have these, why do I have these ambitious desires? Why I like almost ashamed of also where I came from. Like sometimes and it was like a double-sided shame. It was so weird. Cause like the one side where I was like, I'm doing such great things, but I'm ashamed that I'm even thinking about them. And the other side is I'm, I come from these like dark roots. Like just like, I'm ashamed that I even have to deal with all this stuff. So like, it was like a really like, I, I got boxed in, you know, and, and I'm still like, sometimes like there'll be off days and I'm sure we all go through those highs and lows. It's just, yes, there's a lot of guilt and shame that surround, like, I think a lot of people, but like just people like success, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where I'm yeah. Going with that. <laughs> yeah. So does that stem from your upbringing or uh, I, just I, how you're raised? I, I think so. I think that we're a very judgmental, like, and I, these I'm, I'm only speaking negatives of my culture. There are a lot of positives, but for yeah, the purpose of, of my, my history, like a lot of the negatives have really put, put a lot of demons like in me, like in my head. And, uh, and I really think it had to do with like that, like my culture, but also what it means to be an immigrant in America or what it means to be a woman in America or a person of color or mm. speaking a different language. So it's not like one root cause, but they all kind of combine, like combine together to create a very positive person, but also a very like dark person. <laughs> not literally. Sure. I mean, I'm, I'm Brown. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was your support system like when you were a kid? <laughs> what's a support system <laughs> oh geez <laughs> i'll be honest i don't think i had one i mm. i've always gotten the question like who do you look up to and i'm like everyone because everyone's taller than me like that would literally <laughs> be my answer like <laughs> um but honestly it's funny because when i was doing my exercises like for alex like i think one of them with, with the fear exercise especially i was writing down my fears and my like I think it like number five was turning out like the women in my life. And then the, like the, like the next one was turning out like the men in my life. And, and I don't say that in like a, like a mean way. I just obviously like different circumstances, different mindsets, different, et cetera. But I growing up, I really, oh, am I frozen? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, growing up, I did not have one single like, main support like mentor or anything nor did i have like a group of people that i like really that understood me or like even moving to long island i was the only brown girl for most most of my high school and middle school career in long island 
Yeah. I, I guess I don't know Long Island that way. Oh, I always thought just all the boroughs were super diverse. Long yeah. Island is the most except for the Staten most Island segregated. <laughs> Long <laughs> Island is the most segregated. Um, oh wow! Area like locationally in the United States because wow. little pockets of areas are very like just only certain types of people. Wow! Yeah, I had no idea. That's that's. That's crazy. We had only one African-American woman also. And I wasn't friends with her, but like literally I had class of 364. And yet I was, that's kind of the ratio. Um, so it was hard to have a support system, you know, when people really don't understand the food yeah. you eat, the languages you speak, like little things like that. Did you have, so you're talking about food you eat. I know in the third door, Alex talks about when he was in the cafeteria and he'd open up his his lunch and everyone would stare. And did you have a similar experience? Absolutely. Um, my, I mean, you, that typical like curry smell, like that strong, like granted my mom is very cognizant of it. So like, she always has like, like candles and stuff like, so you can't mm. smell it like anything. But when I'd bring food, it wouldn't be like an apple and a sandwich. It'd be like curry and rice and chicken. And I loved it. But mm. at the same time, people would be like, what is that? Or, try it and be like, this is way too spicy. <laughs> like, what is this? Um, and same with like the, the, the clothing that I had, like I didn't wear, like, obviously I wasn't wearing like traditional clothing to school, but I wasn't wearing what normal kids were wearing. Like I was wearing like very like out of date clothing. And like, I knew I was always bullied for that and stuff like that. But I always kept like a positive outlook. I kind of ignored, I was living in my own little social butterfly bubble. Interesting. Before I, I do want to break into that bubble, but real quick, I was going to talk about <laughs> it's so funny because I looking back, I'm like, Oh my God, like curry and Middle Eastern food and Indian food are like some of my favorite foods right now. And I'm like, man, I wish my mom would pack me some curry. Like <laughs> I'll agree with, I was a, you're, you're always welcome. <laughs> yes. I love that. I, I was I always a too. kid. I <laughs> I was always a, st- a school lunch kid, you know, I had free reduced lunch. And so I eat whatever mm-hmm. there that day, you know, the pizza, the mashed potatoes, all that. So, so when you have a, a lunchbox full of love, you know, there's like another level to it. Uh, so talk about, so your social overflow bubble, bubble, cause I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I, growing up, I was always, I don't know what it was. Maybe I was just like naive or I just had like, I just had confidence as a child. Like it was weird because like, mm. so <laughs> I would, I remember specifically when I was like six years old, I'd be the only female in a room full of guys, just like flirting politics. And I loved it. Like I would sit, granted, my parents would be like, sit quietly. Like they knew they couldn't get me away, but they knew that it, if I was there, I'd have to be quiet. So we mm. had that. But I remember I was like, not snarky, but I was sarcastic towards like, like not disrespectful, but like I'd make like jokes like um when people would mispronounce my name, I'd immediately call them out on it. Like I would like and these would be like older men, like I had no care. And that kind of like that attitude also came with me like when in middle school and high school was different because that's when you really start to like your bodies are changing, like you start liking people and like cooties. <laughs> I can go all, you know, but um, I, I carried that with me. Like I was bald for second grade and sixth grade. My mom shaved my head Why? Like, just so she wanted, she wanted my hair to be thick. Oh, wow. Guess what? Guess what it naturally was thick. Guess <laughs> what it didn't need to, guess what it didn't help with getting more <laughs> thick. <laughs> guess what it did help with bullying when uh-huh. I was seven great and my people like everyone thought i had cancer (laughs) honestly yeah and those kids don't understand don't even understand what that means you know nope and i made bucket hats famous before they were (laughs) famous so i'm just saying everyone that made fun of me back in seventh grade they are wearing bucket hats right now (laughs) Mm, yeah Success is the best revenge. Show them Absolutely. what's up. They're eating curry right now. <laughs> They're eating curry with rice, exactly. sitting with their hats, being like, man, that Indian girl was cool. Yeah. Or I wish I knew another language. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh my God. When I lived in when I lived yeah. in China and I met all these people just from different countries, and all of them spoke at least two to three languages. And I'm sitting here American as anything with my 
English, my American English, and my three <laughs> years of Spanish, and I don't remember a word. And it, it saddened me because yeah, it's something that we all really take for granted. and It's something I wish we all did more. Um, so I love how you have an interest in that. I find it so interesting how you grew up without a support system, but ended up confident because I know the opposite is usually usually what you see. So is, do, do you know, have you searched into yourself to see where that came from? That's a really good question. And that's not something I've ever really thought about. Uh, my best guess is that, and I think that this is like, this is actually in my head, like very normal for people. When you're put in a situation where you're alone and you're forced to be independent, you create your own support system. You are you have to trust yourself enough to support yourself and carry yourself through challenges. And I think that applies to anyone. Think, look at military. Like, look at all these soldiers that have like served our country. That you hear these amazing stories of how they were able to like stand up and like do that, even if they're alone and such like that. Like, and I think that I was under a lot of stress not not only from like family but social norms like and just everything else going on uh mm -hmm. growing up that I wasn't so preoccupied without not having people I realized that I was a little I was pretty comfortable in my own little like just with myself um but I was extroverted too so it helped that like I was always constantly around people talking to people like and at the same time it distracted me from like those demons really and so, I don't know, that combination created this. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, it's inspiring. It's so inspiring because I could feel it from you every time I talk to you. Just like that confidence and the drive. Oh, yeah. So good. Um, so talk about, so when I was 10, I wanted to be one of two things. I wanted to be a Power Ranger or I wanted to be <laughs> a game show host. Wait, what color Power Ranger are we talking Red about? Red all like day. Oh, Jason. okay. I respect it. I, I, I respect. <laughs> okay. I, and I was so sure I was so, so funny because I was so sure I would become one that my, the game show was in my backup, which is funny because the game show is actually really hard to get. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I was a confident kid. Uh, so little 10 year old Anika, what did, what did she want to do? Did she know? Yeah. I wanted to be an astronaut. I remember mm. coming home and I don't know how old I was in fourth grade, but I came one of uh, my elementary school uh, alumni actually went to NASA, went into space, was an astronaut, came to visit our school. I remember coming home screaming like, I'm going to be the first person on Mars. <laughs> and my mom cried. <laughs> she was like, this is what you dream of. Like, first of all, you're leaving the, like, the country, the, the, the earth. <laughs> and like, what? So I, I was dead set on like astronaut. But prior to that, more realistically, um, growing up, I, I didn't remember this, but I was actually going through some of my old stuff. And I wanted to be a police officer, which I was really interested about because I knew I was trying to figure out why. And I was like, because I love protecting people. Like, I, I think that one of my, like my spirit animal is a lion. I love, I'm fierce. I can roar as loud as I need to, but what lions represent is loyalty and like protecting its people and its pact and like its family, you know? Mm. And although I didn't have a strong sense of family, but the people that I do consider family are who I protect. So police officer, but then astronaut. And then I actually stuck with astronaut up until maybe about 11th grade. And I realized I was really bad at math. <laughs> you can't oh, be no. an aerospace, you can't be an aerospace engineer if you're not good at math. <laughs> I, know. I think a lot of kids miss that. Like they think, oh, I'm mm -hmm. just going to get in, fly in space. No, you got to be an engineer. You got to have this degree, that degree. <laughs> yeah. I was a little, I remember going to, we went to like the aerospace, air, like aviation museum in on Long Island. And like, they were talking about it and I was like, <laughs> like, I was like, I'm so sorry. Am <laughs> okay, I okay. Yeah, do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, I was like, damn it. I'm not going to be able to be an astronaut. Like, I'm so sad, but I got constellations on my ribs. So I'm, I'll make up, I made up for it. You got what? Oh, you got a tattoo um, of constellation on your ribs. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking you got constellation prizes on your ribs. And I was like, what, what does that even mean? I'm still stuck in the game show thing. Uh, <laughs> What? 
So what did um so when did that change? So high school Anika, you know, coming to getting yeah. about to be in college, what was her plan? Pre-med. Mm. So once I decided like, okay, I had to pivot. Uh like I said, for my culture, very strong, heavy focus on like doctor, be a doctor, be the best doctor. You're not a doctor, you're not successful, you're never gonna get married. Oh uh, I can go on. <laughs> and so I started pre-med. I hated it. Like I'm really good at memorization, but I was not passionate about sitting for eight hours on end and studying the human body. Like it, it's it just didn't click for me. And I remember my first year, I could not get out of bed. Granted, I was going through some other stuff too, like mentally, and I was accumulation of things, but Jesus Christ, 8 a.m. chemistry classes were no bueno. <laughs> like I was not, I had a two one my first semester. <laughs> not, oh, it was so bad. That's so funny. The same exact thing happened to me. Uh, really? I grew up in Jewish culture. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom was, my mom wasn't harsh. She was just like, I don't want you to be poor. You know, she grew up poor. Yeah. So she was like, be a pharmacist. And so I went in pre-pharmacy, which is pretty much pre-med in a lot of ways and um, hated it. Just did not want to get out of bed. Just, uh, and I didn't like memorization at the time. I actually like it now because I know how to do it more because I've studied mm-hmm. it. But back then I was just like, this is, you know, oh my God. People, people would show up in anatomy class with like a shoebox of index cards for one test. And I'm like, first of all, that's going to be gone in a week. So that's useless, but it just wasn't practical. It wasn't, it wasn't who I was, you know? And I think, absolutely. yeah. So where did, uh, so first of all, where, and I got a two, one is also my first semester which is really funny. So what <laughs> happened? Uh, I would I I mean, we're just meant to make it. Maybe we should do a study <laughs> on how many people actually almost fail out of college. I should ask that question because maybe like every one of these people I interview had a two, one. And Alex, I mean, thinking of Alex's third door, he was pre-med. He, mm-hmm. I don't Same. know what his GPA was, but like he had a similar story. And I, I like that. I think that his story, all, all of us resonate one part or another. And I think a lot of us resonate from that little like notion of it. Just sure. pursuing a dream that's not our dream. For him, he found it a lot earlier than I did. I mean, I I definitely like continued in school and I finished got my degree. It took six years because I didn't like it. But did so? Did you switch? Didn't you switch to poli sci? No, I'm not even poli sci right now. Oh, <laughs> I I'm very thankful. I so I did stick with it for about a year, year and a half. Um, when I started raising questions, I was like, all right this is a lot of unhappiness. Like what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, you know? And so I did a couple things. I, I'm very thorough. So I reached out to every single relevant college admission, like not admission college advisor within my college, like RIT's colleges. Um, we have like 13, 15 of them. Um, I reached out to all of them, like as many as I could find. And I just met with them. So I met with like, liberal arts and with business and with like everything and and all of them had like fantastic programs but none of them really clicked for me and so I came across this program called the school of individualized studies which is a create your own major um and I was like I was like this is it like I was like this this just this is it yeah (laughs) um so I started it and I was doing neuroscience and business because I knew I loved medicine for a reason but I couldn't pinpoint what that was until I was like the brain. I love studying the brain. I next applied. So on top of that, I was applying to study abroad programs because I was like, maybe I just need to get out of here. Like I need to do something. Um, I applied to this program in Hungary, Budapest. Yeah. So long story short, I applied to a lot of programs. Like I was just kind of like searching programs. I found this one in Hungary, Budapest. It wasn't through RIT and uh, it was neuroscience. So I went out there God, was I unhappy? Like, mm, really? Like, it's crazy because most people have like these amazing stories when they're studying abroad. But I had the same like. Some days I just couldn't get out of bed, and I was like, I'm in a freaking like foreign country, studying neuroscience. Like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, why am I like this right now? Um, and I realized it was because I was just not doing exactly what I would like. I wasn't fully like my heart wasn't in it. It's just something I was interested in learning about. Um, 
And also it didn't help that Hungarian people were a little bit introverted and racist, which I am oh. not introverted or racist <laughs> based on just who I am. Um, so it was hard just like acclimating to their culture for even like I was there for half a year. Um, I made some amazing friends that I'm still in touch with. But overall, it took a little bit of time to kind of like figure out like, one, you're unhappy because you're not surrounded by the best people. B, like two, I just said one and, and B, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> two, I'm not doing the major that like is right for me. Um, it still took a lot of swallowing my like pride, swallowing like even that investment of two years um, at college. Thankfully, I came into RIT with, uh, as a second year status because of AP classes in high school and such. Um, so I had a little bit, I had a year like, leniency to kind of graduate on time. Um, so that's where I switched my major to more business. And I was like, maybe it's a business that I want to do. I think I switched my major about four times um, in my whole college career. So graduate on time. I don't know how I managed that. But Amazing. like, I, I did take a lot of 18 credit hour court like years um, to make up for it. But uh, yeah, so I changed my major a couple times. And then I ended up doing healthcare administration and organizational strategy. So the psychology of people, how people interact in business and like stuff like that. So like and Adam then, Grant kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my master's like level courses were, I was like, you know, I love what is policy? Policy is meant to represent people and in, in, in like enact change in the best way possible to represent the most people. And I was like, oh shit, I love that. And then I also realized I love efficiency. I like organizational like just strategy and like how to make things more effective and impactful but also very quick um and i tied my master's is organ like systems learning and health healthcare policy so I, I stuck with that health but it necessarily wasn't that patient interaction anymore it was it's really like how can like dream job would be like how can i make medicare more efficient for everyone like how can it make it more representative for people how can like and stuff like that, not to get too political, but that's oh, okay. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree. Like, you know, I don't think we have to touch on politics to say that. I think everybody would agree that it could be more efficient, even if you're for right. it or against it. We could all agree it needs to be more efficient. Absolutely. So um, that's a lot of that's a lot of struggle. Like, what uh, what was your mindset like during college? I mean, I think that college was less stressful than high school. Or growing up. Wow. Um, college was stressful in different ways. I think that it's the most uh, drama filled, <laughs> like drama as in like boy troubles or like, oh crap, I need to like submit these assignments and stuff yeah. like that. But I didn't see that internal struggle of like figuring out what I need to do as a really an obstacle. I saw it as an opportunity that I needed to grow or I needed to improve. I needed to build new skills to figure. I was always, that never got to me because I was always so focused on the goal of I'll figure it out eventually. It's just, I need to keep figuring. I need to keep doing to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, and granted, there were a lot of moments where I was, I turned to like substances that I probably shouldn't have to, to like kind of numb the stress that I was under. But, all in all, I, I really don't see, I didn't see that as an obstacle. I like, it, it was just a part of the process, I would say. Interesting. All right. So before we jump into the book, which I know you're ready for, I wanted to talk quickly because 95% of people I know who do like study abroad are like, it's the best thing ever. Oh my God. I learned, I, I learned about myself. I know who I am now. What would you, what would you say to someone who's, who's like, Oh, they're worried about study abroad and they're like, maybe it's not for them because you had an experience that was not common. What would you say to them to be aware of? Why not? Why is it not for them? I feel like we as humans are meant to evolutionary, right? I'm going to go to evolution. Did you know that you're actually attracted to people smells like pheromones that are mm -hmm. opposite of you? So like oh. people with blue eyes and blonde hair, I'd be most like innately attracted to because of the purpose of reproducing more diverse 
populations. So not to get all like, <laughs> like <laughs> evolutionary. on. No, you. I mean, but I'm six, not? five like, and I've dated mostly women under five too. So exactly, <laughs> it's, it's that it's, it, it's a thing. It's a thing. And so granted, I'm not saying go study abroad so you can meet with other people. No, but my question, my question to them would be like, why not? So financial struggles, there's always ways to fund it. Like there are so many grants. There are so many scholarships that you can apply to. And your university will most likely support you if you really make a case for yourself. So that's one. Second is it's scary, but everything in life is scary if it's worth doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So if those are the two reasons, then I'd be like, no, (laughs) you need to reevaluate and figure it out. (laughs) But, um, and then some other like reasons I've heard like not studying abroad is like, oh, it's like a waste of time. Like it's, it's not, we are living in like a global society. Like we are able to, I'm able to call up someone in China right now. They're probably sleeping because it's like five in the morning, but like <laughs> I'm, I'm able to call them up and interact with them, you know, and that that's not going to change and that's never going to go away. So the more experience that you have and, other places, the more you're going to be able to have that well-rounded thinking, that open-minded thinking, and just like be more of like a, I guess it's not a successful person, but just like, I don't know, like, I don't know what I'm going to end that with, but like, it just, I don't know. I think it's worth it. Even though my experience was bad, I think it's, I would do it again. I love that. That's perfect. Because, you know, I I bring back China again, but I met so many people there who were like, Oh my God, you know, it was so terrible at home and now I'm here and wherever you go, there you are. But the majority of people will be like, look, you know, maybe it didn't work for me, but I think everyone should try it because you just never know. You really don't know. Okay. I will run for Congress and so should you. Is that it? And you should too. Oh, you why sh- you should too? Why? why you should too. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, restart. I will run for I will run for Congress, and why you should too. Perfect. By Anika <laughs> Oftab. Yes, <laughs> we got that. So you don't have to talk about your personal political beliefs in any of this. So you're you're okay. So let's talk about the the project first. So you're going to interview women yeah. who are in Congress or have been in Congress before. Yes. Um. So. I just very quick spiel. I, like I had mentioned throughout this, I was always one of the onlys. And by that, I mean, one of the only people of color in the room, only one of the only women in the room. And something that like, in, that's very prevalent in our society, in government is women being one of the onlys within government positions, whether it be in Congress, whether it be even just like, think like CIA, FBI, all the organizations under the sun. Uh, or that you don't know of because <laughs> secret. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, and it's it's a boys club, and it's funny because the first actually I was just doing research before this. The first African American woman to be in Congress is seventy seven years old, and she's still alive today. That is insane to me <laughs> because yeah. how like, but you don't think about that because you always think you're like, oh yeah, like this has been going on for a long time. I don't understand the importance of it. If they just tried harder, they'd be able to do it. But like, no, no, that's not how it works. Like people don't innately. Right. Right. And, and I think that people don't innately, the first thing that when they're one of the only people in the room, the first thing they want to do is not be the center of attention because they're already the center of attention being that outsider, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my the book that I'm writing is really meant to not only expose the truth as in the reality of the nature of like our landscape. So for example, there are 34.5% of white males in the United States. Guess how many are in Congress that make up Congress? So what percentage of Congress are males? Yeah. Uh, 88%? No, that was close. But 79% of the Senate is white males. Oh, and 75 geez. is just Congress in general. That is, that is insane. But yeah, you don't, absolutely. you don't, I mean, you obviously think about it like, oh yeah, like we understand like government's a little bit slower to kind of like enact change and whatnot. But when you really look at the numbers, you're like, these are the people making the policies. These are the people making the laws and they don't look like us. They don't have the experiences like us. How many of them were on, you had mentioned like the lunch, like the, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, like stuff like that or like, how many of them like really have gone through 
things that we have that really will be able to support us when it comes to like important policies and such. So like that was my major kind of like driving factor of like why I'm I'm doing this, but then I want to learn from the masters. So these masters can include like really anyone, anyone that can has defied their the stigma of whatever it means to be who they are. So for example, like as like a, a brown female, like I should be cooking and cleaning and focusing on children. Like, no, I'm going to make my own path and I'm going to run for office. Like, you know, I'm going to represent thousands of mothers that also are in similar situations. Like that's what I want to do. Um, And then same for like, and like, but that's like the question to answer, like to answer your question. Like it's so important to bring both sides because this isn't just a democratic issue. This is not just a Republican issue. Republican women struggle even more than Democratic women to run for office because they are overshadowed by their husbands or by Republican leaders who are not always, but often have that patriarchal mindset, are often misogynistic. Like they believe in specific structured like um, ways of going. Like women shouldn't probably have separate bank accounts. Like that's that that's issues that like Republican women face when they're running for office because women of that 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 could be supporting them aren't supporting them because they don't have the financial means to do so and so like because their husbands have to support them and so like that's why it's not it's it's not a partisan issue it's it's literally nonpartisan it's just a it's an issue of being one of the onlys. I love that I love that hook. Just so you know, like you were talking about the onlys. Like, first of all, what you just said should be your intro chapter, period, because you got me hooked. You, you recorded this, right? Because I, I did. Yeah, I, I'll I send it. Spewed, you'll I hear it. Spewed bullshit. No, <laughs> no, I know how that is. Like when when you're like, this is what I want to do. And then you're I like, just Whoa. Ranted. like, wait a second. I, I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm so heated. I love it. The passion was real. But the onlys, I mean, that is such a powerful statement because I, I think I talked to you about Mia Love before. And, yes, you know, yeah. irregardless if I support Democrat or Republican, she is a black woman running for a Republic who ran for a Republican seat in Utah. And she got so much backlash from the black community because they tend to run Democratic and a bunch of backlash from the female community because younger female tend to run Democratic. And she got a lot of backlash from the Republican community because not many African-American Republicans, not many female Republicans. So she was just this diamond in the rough, just out of nowhere. And she won and she joined the Black Congressional Caucus, all Democratic Black leaders who've probably been in there for a long time. And she came in there to shake things up and they ended up loving her and they ended up really becoming close to her and they all became very like family. Um, She's since lost her seat, um, but she's still a very big advocate. But it's just, it's amazing the courage of something like that. But it's crazy that it took this long for the first black Republican woman to get elected Congress. And um, just all these firsts. And you're like, we've been doing this since, what, 1776, guys? (laughs) Black or women only got the right to vote? What? Uh, Actually, how much? Less than 100 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> suffrage was so I think what suffrage was like the 19 like early 1900s but mm. even then we were still fighting for so much more and we still are like you know the United States is the only country only developed country that doesn't have maternal leave or paternal leave yeah like, absolutely mandated like what what and this isn't just like a woman's issue too it's like men, fathers like think of like young men like that are growing up they just it, it, it's just, oh God, everything's intertwined, but everyone just seems to like, if I told you right now, I'm a Democrat, you'd just be like, okay, she's very like this. I'm, I'm a libertarian, thankfully. So I, I actually have viewpoints in both directions, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it's, it's crazy. Cause we just like, we're so quick to judge and it, no, <laughs> <laughs> it won't. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that was good. Um, rant away. Your passion, your passion shines through. So talk about uh, the structure of what you want the book to look like. Yeah. So I'm also, I'm very preliminary stages. Initially, I wanted to, it, it to be like a, what's happening right now. Um, why we need to have that change of like more 
representation, whether it be women, whether it be people of color, et cetera, minority groups, and then how you can kind of get involved, like what like steps you can take to be running for office in like the next five years, what organizations you can connect, like connect with. After speaking to Alex that one night, he had said, I'd love to learn about your journey, even getting to like in contact with these women. Because you, if I, if I asked you right now, name a male politician, <laughs> like you could probably <laughs> name like thousands. Absolutely, <laughs> but yeah. if I, if I asked you like, name me 30 women politicians. <laughs> oh, geez. Like, you would struggle a little bit, you it know? Would, you'd and go so, all over. You'd be like, well, I think my school board person is a woman. <laughs> like, you'd have to dig exactly. deep. Exactly. And so I think that Alex was more curious, like third, third door styles, like writing where it's my journey on and then understanding their perspective. So I'm kind of playing with, I'm flirting with both ideas, but I'm sure I'll commit to one as I continue these interviews, learn from these individuals. Um, but it's we're in the works we're in the process you're um well, i mean i know it's rude to ask age but you're under 25 right 22 22 yeah. i i had just looked at i looked it up while you were talking it's you have to be 25 to run yep um, mm-hmm. so i imagine your plan is to write the book finish it by 25 ish then potentially run and then write a follow-up book that's called I ran for Congress <laughs> and here's why you should too. <laughs> um, I wish that's not usually how life works. Um, of course, I actually, yeah. I want to get my PhD. Oh, cool. um, so I'm actually looking, I'm working right now with a professor at Georgetown for the book itself, but I'm looking at PhD programs at Georgetown because my heart and soul is in policy. Like I don't want to just be a public figure that runs for office because I have a story and I'm able to talk to people. No, like I want to be in that office saying, here's my doctorate degree. And this is the knowledge I have in policy. And this is what I want to do to change it. Like I, I don't want to, plus Dr. Ashab sounds awesome. Like what, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, (laughs) it's like off top, but whatever. Um, but, uh, it's, it's that I have, those aspirations to run for Congress. And I absolutely will. Like I know for a fact that one day I will, it's just, I don't want to be one of the onlys. I don't want to have to be one of those onlys. I don't Mm. mind being the second oldest or the the 15th oldest. That's, that's what I want to do. I want to say, I'm like, we've, we've come so far as a society where I'm not an only, like I could be 25 and run for office and be the first youngest woman in Congress. AOC did that as a 28, 29 year old. Um, I don't want that. I don't, I don't think that, I don't know. That's not the kind of fame that I want to be known for. I love that. So you want to be known for your policy and what you, the changes you make, which is great. I mean, a lot of people, and we know this, a lot of people run for office, the vanity. So it's amazing to see someone who wants to, do for the right reasons. So why Congress? Um, are you going to start at a lower level too first? Or do you want to, yeah, I call it, I Congress. call it doing like an Andrew Yang. Cause Andrew Yang is one of my favorite, one of my favorite people to follow. He went businessman to president, like to try to run for president, <laughs> nothing in between. So yeah. I respect the hell out of that. <laughs> he's, he's amazing too. Yeah. Um, I wish he had gotten more traction. He really deserved it. He's, he's that authentic that we, uh, we always look at different things, but he has that authenticity that mm-hmm. really is what we need in, in public office. You know, he lives and breathes um, his message and he's still out there advocating for it. He's a real deal. Absolutely. Um, and I, it's funny. I actually had, a, before I answer your question, I uh, had a conversation today about like the Trump administration, how Trump was a businessman and people were looking for change, you know, and that's why that a lot of majority of people like wanted him in office despite his policies. My question to everyone is, what if we had like the per- like the director of the Peace Corps as president of the United States? Like, can you just imagine how much, how different the landscape would look like? The messaging, how, what our priorities, where funding went. Like, like that's the type of people we need in those organizations. And that's the kind of like experience that 
I think that people need to have. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> like, why? Oh, geez. Uh, oh, it was it. It was gonna. So you're gonna go your PhD in public policy. Oh, uh, I, it's health policy and management is the okay. one program I was looking in, but public policy would also be or government something like that. So uh, the uh, the question was so you yeah as you say in your book title you're gonna run for Congress is is there why Congress. Yeah, why yeah, Congress? Why like, Congress. Are, is there yeah, steps yeah. before or are you going to straight to Congress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely steps before. Con- well, so why Congress in the first place is, A, I can't go in the executive branch because I wasn't born in the, in mm. the United States. Yeah. Uh, so I can't run for president, even though I think I'd be... No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, um, actually, I personally think it's unfortunate <laughs> that that's a rule. I know it's controversial, but so, I mean, some immigrants are just like, know what's better for this country than people who are born here, you know? Right, right. I appreciate that. I can't go for the judicial branch because I don't necessarily think I want to go into law or law degree. So the other branch is the House. Um, and that includes Senate. What Congress includes this, like House of Representatives and Senate, of course. And so Senate is more creating the policies, right? And so I was like, I'm honestly not sure if I want to do... I use the umbrella term of Congress because I respect, I really respect senators. Like I, I, they tend to have a lot more experience. Um, They usually don't run for office until like they're like 35 and older, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And congresswomen, like congressmen and women nowadays are, are getting younger and younger, which is a good, good change. Um, So Congress seems because, because of just what they do, making the policies, discussing the policies, improving the policies, that's why I want to do Congress, but I actually haven't decided whether or not I want to do Senate or uh, House, the House. Mm-hmm. So I think having that extra education might give me that push, maybe pursue further and go into Senate, but we'll see. That's, it's definitely, we'll see. I'm excited to see. And then, so the subtitle and, and why you should too. Mm-hmm. They get it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. So why do you think everyone else should? And um, what's your hope that people will get from the book? Yeah. I, I mean, I touched upon this before, but do you really want someone that hasn't... No, that's not how I want to word it. I Like our current landscape right now, like I said, there are people... Have you seen the picture of the... When the... the discussion for reproductive rights that it was a bill i can't remember the specific bill but the photo was a room full of about like 30 men Mm. looking at a bill (laughs) things like that just like doesn't make sense to me because you know like if i told you james like so uh do you think that i need birth control you'd be like why are you asking me like i don't exactly i don't need it why do you think that i should know why don't we apply that same freaking logic to like our government? Um, that's why I think people should run because there are people make that you can say, and this is one of like the biggest like counter arguments I have to the, the point of I'm not a very political person, which is it, despite not being very political, it will still impact you. Mm-hmm. Everything will, every decision made will still impact where, what you eat, what you like, how you shop, how much, like where you spend your money, what kind of resources you get, what your children like kind of like experience, et cetera. Um, And if you're not there or people that look like you or that come from your social, like socioeconomic background or that aren't in the position to represent you, then what, what are like, are you going to be satisfied? Like, are you going to be happy? Like, you know, like, are you going to be fulfilled? Are you going to be like, are you really represented? That's what the government's meant to be. That's why it was created. Um, mm, and so agreed. that's why I think the book, I want to inspire others to understand the landscape, but also be inspired to be part of it, be part of that movement of change that the next gener- the next generation of leadership. Um, I think that there's a wave and some people think it's very radically left and some people think it's very radically right because I think it's just logic. Like I think people are starting to like, be like, why am I not part of the conversation? I want to be part of the conversation. I love that. Okay. Uh, so I think it would probably be the final question. So if you yeah. could remove, 
So we, we know running for anything is, is really difficult money wise and schmoozing wise. Um, <laughs> if you could remove one roadblock for people to run, what would you remove? You mean like internally or externally? Because internally, I would oh, say hey. remove that. Internally, I would love to remove that notion of you can't do it. Like that fear of just being able to be in a position like that. Like, you know, wh whether you're a mother, whether you're a single father, whether you work two jobs, like, or you're a blue collar worker, like remove that whoever or whatever place that like notion in you that you can't do it, like remove that altogether. Um, and I think like more practically, I would say, see, this is more like institutional. Like, I, I don't think that our, our education system, I mean, obviously there's a lot of goods, like pros and cons to it, but our education sure. system doesn't prep us to be, to be functioning adults. Mm, <laughs> like, completely agree. Completely agree. Whether, whether it be being aware of what is out there. So like, how can I invest my money? How can I create my own growth? How can I exercise my right to healthcare or like all of this? Like, we don't know, we are not taught about, like we're not taught this in college. Um, another thing we're not taught is how like feasible it is to make things like become like a politician, you know, like we, we see these people on TV, but we just assume that it's like a different world. You know, there's no, like, I would like to remove that lack of transparency. Um, and I think that all really ties back to education. Like what are we teaching our youth? What are we showing? Like what, what kind of potential do we see in them and how are we helping them get there? Um, so I don't know if that answered your question. No, that's, that was a hundred times better answer than I, than I, not not anticipated from you. It's more like when when I thought of the question, I thought you'd maybe say money. I thought you'd maybe say like, <laughs> you know, corruption. But you went like a whole different. I love the internal. That was be that was great. No, that was a great answer. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> and if I may, if I may speak about like yeah, money and corruption really quickly, um, I if have you ever have you talked to many like politicians or government workers? Uh local. Like specifically one on one. Um, not, not in as much as I would like, I should do more, but see, that's the, and neither have I. So I'm not saying that this is like, you're behind in any way, but mm -hmm. the thing is the media portrays only the bad a lot of the time, it's Fair, you know, and when they do portray the good, it's the, it's the, the taboo of the like the reform bill or the, the notion that they're stealing away our rights or they're putting our money, taxpayer money somewhere else. You know, you never see the good. That corruption and money really only exist within a very small amount of group of people because at the end of the day, the people that are running for office that are representing us, they genuinely care. Like government workers, I just spoke to, some, right before this, I spoke to someone in the GSA and he was telling me, he's like, I can I use AI as often as I can to help people. But no, yeah. So it, it's, it's crazy because we don't get to see how many caring people are out there that like really do support us and things like money. People will invest money if they believe you, but you just have to be able to get your, your words out, you know? Mm -hmm. And it sucks because 90% of media is controlled by like four big super companies, like sure. giants, you know? And that's very much tailored to, and that's a whole separate conversation, not to go all into it, but corruption and money only exists very, very, I want, I don't want to say minimally, but very, very There's a big, there's a big towards, microscope on it when it's not like yeah. as big as we think. As it, yeah, absolutely. All right, Anika. So I've started doing our good friend, Keyshawn. He taught me uh -huh. what's called the greatest gift. He learned it from a group called Exchange. And so the greatest okay. gift you gave me today was your absolute passion for this book idea, for people running for Congress. I love how you went from pre-med to this just passion-filled book and, and doctorate. And you make me want to run for Congress. Because <laughs> I, I, I totally, I've thought about it. And um, I mean, I am old enough, but... 
probably one day I'll definitely push into it. Um, I think I'd be good, but you've definitely, I mean, like I'm fired up right now. <laughs> so I think you're definitely going to give that to our listeners. They're going to want to run for Congress right now. And um, thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity. Honestly, I, James, like you are, you're doing something that will change a lot. Uh, sorry. Oh, but <laughs> it's okay. you're, you're, you're this, this is incredible. Like this is honestly like going to change lives. I hope so. And I, I appreciate really you, James. You can find out more about Anika on her Instagram at Anikers, A-N-I-K-E-R-S-S-S, and follow the progress of her book at I Will Run for Congress. If you like this, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. Now, the greatest gift you gave me today is your time, attention, and open mind. Keep ascending.